Have you ever wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? You know, the thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world more like Jesus than we found it. I know, and that's why I'm here. My name is Rebecca Dotson-George. I'm a speaker, writer, career coach, and just all around excited to be in your earbuds for the next few minutes. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering you on as you make God known in and through your creative mission. Here's the thing though, I know sometimes you can get discouraged. I'm not good enough. I don't know where to start. I can't do as good of a job as she's doing. These are all lies that we sometimes believe and I'm here to help you debunk those lies that are ruling your mind about your mission and replace them with truth from God's word. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. Welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Do you ever get to the end of a podcast and just think, man, I am not done with that conversation. Girl, me too. And I love hearing from you about how not only the show is encouraging you, but also what God is stirring up in you as a result. And I just really wanted the opportunity to connect one-on-one with more of you. And that's why I've created a Patreon community. Patreon is an online platform that hosts bonus content and provides creators a way to hang out with their audience in a more intimate way. So here's how I'm going to use it. There are three tiers. First is the bestie tier, which will include access to the platform and extra conversations with all our guests that only Patreon besties will get to hear. These questions will not be shared here on your podcast platform. Then there's the VIP party tier. This includes the bestie tier and you get invited to a VIP party once a month on Zoom where we get to hang out, get to know one another better and maybe do some coaching in a group session from time to time. And then finally, there is the calling coach tier. In this tier, you'll be able to access the previous tiers plus have a 30 minute coaching call per month with me to talk about anything podcast, ministry or career related. How fun does this sound? So come on over to Patreon by downloading the app or visiting patreon.com and search Do The Thing Movement. I can't wait to meet you inside the community. Hey friends, thanks for listening to another episode of the Do The Thing Movement podcast. I'm so thrilled to have my new friend, Heather Dixon, on the show today to talk about her Bible study, Renewed. It's all about the life of Naomi. And we talk about her story, Heather's, and the life of Naomi and how God weaved all these details together for her to write this study for you. And it is such a powerful conversation. I can't wait. And then we're also giving away a copy of Renewed to a Patreon patron this month. So if you are a part of that community, know that you will be entered into the giveaway to win that copy, along with a few other copies of books that we're also talking about on the show this month. And we'll do that on our Zoom party that we have each month. So make sure that you go sign up and you are there to enter the giveaway for that and help me welcome my new friend Heather to the show. Heather, I am so thrilled to have you today. Thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, Rebecca, thanks so much for having me on. And hey to everybody joining us today. We're so glad you're here. I know. I told you before we hit record, this is like the most fun thing of 2020 to meet new friends and talk about their books and 
I'm really excited about your study that we get to talk about today. It's called Renewed Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story. I loved that subtitle. I thought it was so good because sometimes we find ourselves in those seasons where maybe we don't like our story. And I'm curious. So maybe this is a good place to start. I love when I talk to authors and so often you hear this sort of tone of, well, God brought me through X, Y, or Z, and then he led me to write about it. And here's how I'm serving people in that. And so I'm curious, how did this book, the study come about and maybe what did God do in your story kind of weaving through all of that to bring you to where we are today? Yeah, that's a fabulous question. And I think, you know, you're so spot on. So many authors, you know, the the work that they produce is born out of a season of hardship or teaching or, you know, some lesson that God has kind of, you know, brought them through. We're like, wow, that was really impactful for my life. Maybe somebody else needs to hear that. And so that's exactly kind of how the, the renewed study was born. Um, uh, let's see, in, in the fall of 2015, I started experiencing uh, just a slew of major medical events. And I, I lived a really healthy lifestyle. I was a fitness instructor um, you know, it's very active. And um, you know, I just, I had in, starting in October, no, in August, I had like a miscarriage and then um, I had a ruptured, uh, excuse me, I had a miscarriage. And then I had two aneurysm flares that caused a mm-hmm. kidney infarction, which is like your kidney just like shuts down. <laughs> and so I lost like 10% of my kidney um, and then my carotid artery ruptured. And so all of these things happened over, you know, the course of about three months and my doctors, you know, were like, what is going on here? And so, you know, they, uh, my doctor repaired my carotid artery and then they were looking at my medical history, which a few years back also included a ruptured colon. Um, my son was born prematurely because of ruptured membranes, you know, all all this rupture stuff, if you're noticing a pattern here. Right. And so, um, and my mom, they were looking at her medical history because she died suddenly um, when she was 37 from a ruptured splenic splenic artery aneurysm. And so they're piecing together, you know, her medical history and mine. And, you know, the doctor that fixed my carotid artery said, you know what, I think you have, she called it collagenosis, but uh, she was from Europe, which is just God's blessing because, you know, up until this point, I was 38 when all of this started happening and I've had excellent medical care, but none of my American doctors had noticed it. Um, But she did because it's much more prevalent in Europe than it is here in the States. Mm. And so she said, I think you have collagenosis. Um, I want you to get genetic testing for this, this disorder, um, which is called vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, not collagenosis. I mean, I guess that's the new name for it. And so long story short, yes, I got the test done in early 2016 and it came back positive. And so my geneticist confirmed that, yes, this is, you know, you have this disorder and you inherited it from your mom and that's what took her life um, in 1988, right? And back then, I mean, this is on, it's really rare. It's on nobody's radar. Mm -hmm. So no one would have pinpointed it then. Um, But vascular Ehlers-Danlos is a connective tissue disorder. It's genetic um, and it makes 
affects blood vessels, arteries, and organs prone to spontaneous rupture. So all of these, you know, organ ruptures and artery ruptures that I had experienced were because I have this disorder. And, you know, medically, basically, it just means that my body just really does not hold itself well together at all. It's awful at it. And uh, the way my my genetic uh, code spits the instructions out, like to keep your body together, like glue, just it doesn't do it that well. And so um, when we got the diagnosis, we looked, my husband and I, you know, talked to my doctor and we're like, great, give me some medicines, give me a treatment. Like, how do we, how do we fix this? It's 2016, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's get rid of this. Right. And, uh, and he looked, he looked back at us with really kind and compassionate eyes. And he just, you know, very quietly said, there is no cure and there is no treatment. Um, he said, your average life expectancy is 48. And what I can tell you is to prepare your bucket list and live your life well. And so that was a story that I did not like, um, that, that diagnosis, it was really difficult to process. Um, and you know, I, I have one son, he's 13 now. And, um, you know, I was trying to figure out how in the world am I going to navigate this new reality? Um, when everything I thought I knew about my life was, was wrong, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, I thought here I am, I'm, I'm eating all the right things. I'm exercising every day. I mean, I'm doing like, I'm so healthy. Right. And then lurking beneath the surface, there was this, you know, disorder, which is you know extremely dangerous. So that, um, started my ministry, Rebecca, yeah. because there were a lot of things I could not do anymore, but I'll never forget my grandmother. She looked at me and she said, well, old girl, at least you can still write. You better get to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Cause I, I had been a ghostwriter for years. And so, you know, I mean, it was one of those things where God just kind of said, you know what, you, we're going to shift your, your life plan, your life focus now. And so I started a Bible teaching ministry and, you know, the tagline for that has always been, um, you know, I, I help women find the courage to live by faith, especially when they don't like their story. Mm. So that, that ministry kind of led me into, you know, this study because, you know, this is my third study I've written. And this one is, is probably my signature study for my community because so many women in my community are dealing with anxiety or depression, or, you know, they're carrying these hard, uh, these hard stories that they can't change. And that, that's, that's the, 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 the crux of it, because, you know, we all walk through seasons of hardship where things come and go, but, you know, what do we do with these things that we have to carry for our entire time here on earth? What do we do with these um, stories that, you know, we know are not going away? And I know Jesus can heal my diagnosis. He can heal my disorder, but at least up until this point, he has chosen not to. So I have to find a way, you know, to make peace with that while I'm here on earth um, and know that my healing will come in heaven and that's okay. And so, you know, a lot of the women that are in my ministry community, are dealing with the same thing. So that's, that was kind of the, the, um, you know, the birth of this study is that I wanted to give my readers the same kind of safe place that I had found in the book of Ruth to explore that exact question is what do we do with stories that we don't like and we can't change? And is there promise for hope in there? And the answer to that is yes, there is. Yeah. Man, Heather, your story (laughs) is such a God story. I love I'm just so thankful that you shared all of that. Thank you for. Oh, you're more than welcome. Yeah, you know, we all we all have hard stories though. We I mean, do. My, you, you may not be carrying a terminal diagnosis, but everybody's got junk. We none of us yeah. is getting out of this earth without junk. <laughs> Absolutely, and I just totally agree with you in that. I've just seen to be true in my own life seasons where 
maybe we're knocked off our feet or maybe there's a part of our story that we wouldn't have chosen, but yet God authored for our lives. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how in those times, God just renews our perspective for heaven and for eternity and sort of just refocuses our eyes. I've over the last few weeks, just had a couple of podcast conversations about keeping an eternal perspective and sort of how to do that well in this crazy time that we're in. And man, your story is just an example of God just authoring something in your life that you wouldn't have chosen, but yet in that, man, he's given you such an opportunity to minister to other women. And um, that's just so cool. I'm just, I'm so excited about this conversation. (laughs) So we get to talk all about Naomi and Ruth and your study. So I'm so excited. So in the study, you explore the life of Naomi. Mm -hmm. So for listeners who maybe need a little context into Naomi's story, or maybe they just need to brush up a little bit, how about we start out by giving them some background and why you thought she was the perfect kind of narrative to weave into the backdrop of this study. Yeah. So I started teaching Bible studies. uh, Let's see. It was about 20 years ago. My husband and I were running a youth, uh, youth Bible study ministry out of our home. We met at a Christian camp and we kind of sponsored and led the Bible study throughout the year for all the summer campers. And uh, you know, my, my gals in that group, you know, back then, and, and to some extent, even still now, there were not a lot of resources for young women, you know, high school girls who really wanted to dive deep into, into scripture, right? And uh, the book of Ruth was one of the first books that we studied together. And I always taught it from Naomi's perspective. Um, and so there weren't a lot of, of resources out there for these gals who just, it, there were, but they were, I don't know, they were superficial and kind of fluffy. And, you know, it was all about, you know, your, your body image and not that that's a bad thing. That's a good thing to study, but you know, I just like, they were hungry for, for deep meat in the word. And so I started writing, you know, Bible studies for them, curriculum for them. And, and I, and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, teaching and writing this particular study for them um, because I felt like it was so, uh, you know, they, they wanted the, the maturity um, in God's word. And we really enjoyed walking through the book of Ruth together, but we did it from the perspective of Naomi and here is why. And um, so, you know, the background context on Naomi's story, um, if you're familiar with the book of Ruth, it's a, it's a short, sweet little book in the very middle of the most like dark, awful times in Israelite history. It's like, like, you know, everything is awful. And then Ruth, and it's just like, you know, you can just imagine like snow white birds coming in and picket yeah. fences. And like the, it's a, it's a Disney book in the middle, of, in the middle of, you know, just awful, awful Israelite times. And it's so perfect. And it's obviously called the book of Ruth and Ruth and Boaz are main characters and they are beautiful, but they are stagnant and they don't change. And so in the book of Ruth, you know, the short story is, you know, Naomi and her family have moved away from Bethlehem and her husband dies and her two sons dies, die. And Ruth is one of her son's um, wives. And so she's, you know, her son's widow. And so Ruth stays with Naomi and they go back to Bethlehem and try to figure out how to make a new life in the midst of all their tragedy. Right. 
And so, uh, you know, even though the book is called Ruth, it's Naomi's story. Um, And, you know, and and it's not, that's not just my opinion. Uh, You can, if you're a literary nerd, you can go through and see how, you know, the author of Ruth wrote that story to point like everything in it. He's like, this is called Ruth, but really this is Naomi's story. Here's another light bulb. It's like a flashlight pointing to her story, the way he centers the characters around her and the, you know, just the, the way everything is written in the book of Ruth. It's, it's a reminder, you know what, this is Naomi's story. And I think this is why Rebecca, I think because, um, you know, Ruth and Boaz, they're just these beautiful, perfect characters. Everybody wants to be just like Ruth and Boaz, but they're stagnant. They don't change. They're, they're the same character at the beginning as they are at the end and they're lovely people. But Naomi is the one that walks through this transformation, right? And she's the one that I resonate with. Like, I I am Naomi. Because in the beginning, she says, you know, she changes her name because she's so heartbroken and she's bitter. And if you've ever heard anything about Naomi's story, you know, you might, you know, oftentimes I'll ask, you know, my readers or or the women in in my group or my study, and I'll say, you know, well, what's one word that you can think of when you think of Naomi? And, you know, nine times out of 10, they say, bitter because anytime someone teaches on Naomi, they're like, oh, well, Naomi, you know, she blamed God and she was bitter and she was this awful human. Well, okay. That's how we see her. But if you look at the way that God responds to her, it's the complete opposite. You know, yes, she is bitter. Yes, she is hurt. Yes, her story is much more difficult than Ruth's or Orpah's, her other daughter-in-law. But God doesn't punish her for her honesty and, and, and her grief. And uh, quite the opposite. Like he moves her in from a place of bitterness to renewed joy. And so I just kind of wanted to flip our perspective, flip that story on its end and, and, and think that, you know, if, well, if I resonate with Naomi, then maybe, maybe my readers will too, because I've, I've been that woman to say, God, I am bitter at this. And, you know, not only my, my diagnosis, but my dad died in uh, 20, 2008 suddenly, and I did not handle it well. Um, I blamed God. I was incredibly bitter. I just, you know, I was um, guilty of thinking that, well, my mom died when I was 11. So I'm not going to have any more hardship in my life now that I walk with Jesus. Right. Like, have we ever, have we ever said that as Christians, we think, oh, we have our allotment, our hardship allotment. Great. And then that's all we're going to ask to be carried. But that's that's not how life works. It's not how my life has worked. And and you know you you guys listening out there can probably uh, can, uh, nodding your head and agree with me on that. It's like it's not a one and done kind of thing. And so um, you know I I have been Naomi where I have been mm-hmm. so so bitter at God to say I've had enough with hardship. And, um, and so I resonate so much more with Naomi because I see myself in her. I I don't see myself in Ruth. I'm not that perfect loyal faith faithful, beautiful, like, you know, does everything right kind of gal. Like I'm, sure. I mess it up along the way. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, so I mean, it's, it's Naomi. I wanted, I wanted to step into Naomi's shoes. And, you know, I think that um, if, if we get into the habit of extending her grace instead of blaming her for, you know, being angry and being bitter. And we instead respond to her in the way that God does, which is gracious um, and graceful, then we might start to do that for ourselves as well as we navigate our hard stories. So that's why I wanted to write about Naomi. Yeah. So we mentioned that the subtitle is finding hope when you don't like your story. And so 
I'm sure there are people listening right now who feel just like that. Maybe they don't like their own story. So how would you want to encourage them today in that if that's kind of that's kind of where they are right now? Yeah. So I, I love that in in the short and sweetness of Ruth, there's basically four kind of tangible steps that, you know, my readers walk through as we as we study uh, the renewed study together. And the first one, I think, is the most important one, particularly if you don't like your story. So that's how I would encourage them today with this truth. Um, you have permission to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, you have permission to say, this is not okay. And this is one of my favorite parts about Naomi's story, uh, because she is very, she's brutally honest with God and she doesn't, um, she doesn't doubt his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. I mean, she still remains you know, faithful to the fact that God is in control over all things, but she is not afraid to say my life is hard. Um, and so I think that's a step that we often uh, step over as believers and particularly as women. Um, you know, when you hear platitudes like, well, at least you still have such and mm, such, yeah. you know, <laughs> or, you know, when I had a miscarriage, I heard, well, at least you still have one son. I'm like, uh, that's not how this works. You know, no, that, you know, that doesn't just because, you know, I have one child doesn't diminish the loss of another, Um, you know, or with my diagnosis. Well, you know, at least at least you can still, uh, you know, you you can still you don't look ill, you know, you don't. And I don't I don't look sick. Um, And there are still pieces of my story that I have to grieve. And so anytime we try to skip over that honest, authentic grief step, I think we set ourselves up for an authentic healing. You know, Naomi reminds us that yes, you can be honest with God, you can be honest with your friends. And even Mm -hmm. when we look to the example that Jesus gives, you know, I mean, Jesus, when he got word that his friend Lazarus, you know, was was dying, and he didn't get there and he did die. He still wept and he knew Mm -hmm. in just a few minutes he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he wept anyway for his friend, for the brokenness on this earth. And I think, you know, having the courage to express your grief in an an authentic way is an acknowledgement that this world needs Jesus you know, that this world yeah. is broken. It's not perfect yet. God is renewing this world and renewing our hearts, but we still need Jesus to kind of step in and help us with that. So I would encourage those of you who, if, if you're just like, man, I really hate my story, give yourself time. You yeah. know, don't skip over that step. Give yourself time to acknowledge to the friends that are the closest to you and to God and say, I don't, this isn't the story I picked, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I do it every day. Like this is, I don't mm-hmm. like my story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like my story, but God, I trust you to renew it. So give me courage to grieve authentically through this yeah. and, uh, and take the next step when you're ready to do that. Yeah. I think the time that we live in has made it really easy when we go through hard things to sort of almost feel this need. And maybe it's because of social media. We feel Mm -hmm. this need to like, we have, we have this audience that we're serving, especially if we're in this world of writing and speaking and ministry and whatever, where we have to spin it to redemption immediately. (laughs) And we just don't really fit. We don't sit in the grief part at all. I mean, I can, as you were sharing about things that people tell you, things people shouldn't say, 
in response to your story, right? Like that's very real. So my mom is a cancer survivor Mm. and we could have written a book. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could have written a book of things that very well-intentioned people said to us or said to me, like, well, have you been to the doctor to get checked for breast cancer? Because, you know, that's hereditary, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) I mean, there's just, there's just all the things people. And, and sometimes it's, well, I think most times it's out of a good intention of their heart. Of course it is. Of course it is. But. I don't think we give our people sometimes the grace to grieve and we don't always accept maybe that grace to grieve those parts of our story. So I love that you start there because that is so important. And from personal history, I know (laughs) there have been times in my life where I've thought, well, I guess I just need, I need to move on to kind of that, you know, how do I encourage other people in this and how do I make God known in this? And there's all of that weaved in. But we have permission to grieve. So I love that you start there. Okay. It's important. Yeah, it really is. And so the studies split up into four weeks. And one Mm -hmm. of the weeks is, I love this too. It's called the movement that we can't see or the movement that, that you can't see. So we know that God is working in our lives in ways that we don't always understand. And so how would you encourage listeners who are maybe struggling to kind of anchor their hope in Christ in the midst of a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to answer that question by telling you, piggybacking as a story from kind of what I shared in the beginning about a piece of my diagnosis. Um, And, you know, when, when I, when my carotid artery ruptured and we went to a local hospital and it was the middle of the night and I was in the emergency room and they were trying to figure out what was going on and they didn't know. And they were like, we're going to send you to a larger teaching hospital. Um, and we're going to, they, they could send me the, there were two options. And in, in our particular area, we, we have fabulous hospitals here, but there were two options. And one of them, the beds were full and one of them was open. So that's the one that I went to. So it seemed to be like this total random choice. Right. And so I show up at the, at the ER to this new teaching hospital at like three 30 in the morning. And the doctor that was on call that night happened to be uh, from Europe. She was, she actually practiced in Paris for a long time. And she was the one that recognized it and said, you know, well, this is collagenosis. And listen, Rebecca, she looked at my skin. She looked at my small joints and she looked at my medical history and she recognized immediately what it was. Wow. Now to put this in perspective, um, you know, like I said, vascular EDS is incredibly rare, but not only that was the surgery that I was about to go into is one of the most dangerous surgeries that someone with my condition could undergo. Um, because basically she was shoving, I have so much platinum coil behind my eyes and, you know, all along my left sinus cavity. And so she had to create, you know, this man-made dam to stop this, you know, blood flow into my brain. And so she was, she had to go through my femoral artery and, and not, I, don't worry, I'm not going to gross any, anybody out and like get all serious. <laughs> I can, but I won't. Um, so like she had to, you know, go through my femoral artery and plug, you know, weave all this, this tiny platinum coil, um, just mounds and mounds of platinum coil all the way up into my sinus cavity. Um, and so she had to actually do it in two procedures because my femoral artery shut down and all that stuff. Here's why I'm telling you this is because how had she not known and immediately recognized that, uh, you know, that I had vascular EDS without a genetic testing, 
I would have died on the surgery table because someone, another doctor, if it didn't know to go slowly and to take her time and to back out when my body started to shut down, you know, I mean, it was, it was so risky, but she knew, and I'm a hundred percent convinced that God placed her in the emergency department at three 30 in the morning on that crazy night so that I would survive that surgery. And I also would get the diagnosis. Yeah. God was in my details. Now we had no idea what was going on. We didn't, we had never even heard the word vascular EDS at that point. Um, But, you know, for those of you that are like, where is God in my hard story? Um, You know, I would, I would tell you two things. Number one, look at hindsight. Hindsight is 2020. And I can look back on that moment and rejoice and praise God because he was in my details to yeah. save my life. He did it then. And I could list them all, you know, I could list so many other examples for you right now, which we don't have time to get into of similar stories where he had done the same thing and not just medically, but, you know, either emotionally or, um, you know, even when I came to know Jesus and that, you know, how that came about, you know, hindsight is 2020. So make a list of all the things that God has done for you in the past. Um, And to remember, you know, he was in my details then, he's still in my details today. He doesn't change. Um, And then the second thing is, you know, when when you can't see or feel him, I mean, this is why I love Bible study is so we can return to what we know about his character. And what we know about his character is he is compassionate and he is loving and he is gracious um, and he is mighty and powerful. I mean, we, again, we could spend a whole, you know, podcast just talking about his character, but, you know, look at what he's done, remind yourself who he is and cling to those two things until you can start seeing him, seeing tangible evidence of him moving in your details because he is, and he's there, you know, you may not recognize the things he's doing today in this moment, but maybe you will in a week or in a month you know, or in a year. And so, you know, start to train your mind to think with hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, instead of thinking, you know, well, gosh, this is so unknown and so uncertain, but start to train your mind to think, well, you know, this is what God did for me before. This is who he is. I am going to be okay because he is with me. Even if I can't feel his presence, I know he's there. He doesn't change. Mm, That's so encouraging. And Another week of the book, you talk about the intersection of our action and God's plan. So we don't have to have the rest of our lives figured out to take next steps of obedience in our lives. And often, you know, we get so overwhelmed by the thought of God's will or his his calling on our lives. And but then we neglect just those small everyday steps of obedience that maybe he asks us to take. And so. How would you want to speak to listeners about taking those next baby steps, even when they feel really scary? Yeah, this is, this is kind of a a pain point or a felt need that, you know, really, I really thought needed to be addressed for those who are walking through hard stories, because so many times I think the result is that we feel paralyzed in whatever, you know, whatever our next step should be, or how are we supposed to get through this? And you know, so, you know, we feel like I can't do anything. And then we start to feel hopeless, right? So, you know, the paralyzation turns into feelings of hopelessness. And um, and that is just a really dangerous place to be mentally and emotionally. And so, you know, I, I wanted to remind readers because of what Naomi does. I mean, Naomi, she has no idea what's going to happen. And she has to 
you know, she basically launches this plan to, so that, you know, Ruth will present herself to Boaz and Boaz will marry Ruth and Boaz is going to take care of Naomi and Ruth. And that's just a snippet of the good news that comes out of her plan. But, you know, she has no idea what's going to happen. She didn't know if God was going to make it happen or not, but she did it anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and so uh, I I just, I love that so much. And it's just the, that intersection of like our baby steps plus God's master plan can create Mm -hmm. really powerful things in our lives. And so what I would tell someone who is wondering, you know, what, what do I take? What are the next steps that I take is start small, you know, I mean, God, God is in control. Yes, but you are not hopeless. Um, You also are not like a dandelion floating in the wind, Like you, (laughs) you have free will (laughs) and we are smart people and we have, you know, two hands and two feet and, Um, You know, we can do things that will make us feel like we have some small measure of control. And although God is always in control, it's not about giving ourselves control, but it's about like partnering with him to bring his will alive in our lives. And, uh, you know, one of the examples for that for me is, you know, I really struggle with anxiety. And, um, you know, that you don't, you don't have a terminal diagnosis and not become BFF with anxiety. I mean, she and I are, we're tight. So, um, you know, there are a lot, I have this giant toolbox that I use to help battle that. But one of the things I also do is I take anxiety meds. And I think that that's something that is often looked, looked down upon, but uh, especially in the Christian community, because it's, it seems like it's a lack of faith to be able to say, oh, I need medical support. I need, you know, you know, pharmaceutical support with this, but it's, it's not, it's a baby step that I can take that empowers me to take the next step of faith. Um, And so, you know, start small, you know, look at your life today and assess what are some actions that I can take that will bring me peace, Um, whether that is seeking counseling, whether that is, you know, talking to your doctor about, you know what, I really think I need some extra support during this season of hardship, Um, whether that is reaching out for an accountability partner in with a friend or someone at church, whether it is going to church, you know, maybe that's the baby step you need to take is whether you're attending virtually or in person. Um, Maybe the baby step is reading a chapter of your Bible, you know, small steps create big change when you, you know, when you pack them together. And then when you add God's power on top of that, um, you know, so don't, don't despise the small step in your life today. And then, you know, work on the things that you have control over and wait for God to kind of renew the rest. Because again, he's, he's working and he, and he will. Yes. Yes. That's so good. Okay. I am so excited to share this study with listeners. I just, I'm excited for people to dive into it. And um, I just love the chance to kind of unpack this. It's rare that I do one on a Bible study. So this is really, really fun. Usually they're like, yeah, usually they're like nonfiction trade books. So this is really, really a treat. So I've loved hearing you unpack your story and in light of Naomi's story. This is really awesome. So I want you to share a little bit with listeners about where they can find you online, where they can get your other studies, where they can get renewed, all the things. Yes. So you can find me at my website is the rescued letters, um, the article V rescued as in I have been rescued by God more times than I can count and letters as in I write a bunch of letters about it to people. So the rescued letters.com. Um, I am on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at rescued letters. 
Um, and you can find me there. And my Bible studies are available wherever books are sold. I've got uh, Renewed, and then I have another Bible study out called Determined. It's a Bible study on Luke about living like Jesus. Uh, and you can find those on Amazon, Christian Book, um, Cokesbury, wherever where all the fun books are sold. So Awesome. Yeah. Good deal. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. We are about to hop over to our Patreon community and do our sort of rapid fire questions over there. So for our patrons, join us over there to hear that conversation. But Heather, thank you for being with me today. You are more than welcome. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I am so thrilled to have you be a part of this community. I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, did you know that when people rate and review podcasts on Apple Podcasts, it actually helps more people come across the show? And when that happens, the messages we're sharing get spread even further and we get to encourage more people. I can't think of anything more fun than that. So it would mean the world to me if you would do something that would take just two minutes of your time. Hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a written review. Tell me all about how the show is encouraging you and invite others to listen in. It truly means the world to this girl on the other side of the mic. And then number two, if you're loving the show and want even more content from Do The Thing Movement, hop on over to our Patreon page on your desktop or mobile device to listen to after the show bonus interviews, attend live Zoom parties, and receive extra coaching. Simply download the Patreon app or do it on your desktop device and search Do The Thing Movement. I would love to see you over there in that community. Thanks again for listening, and I can't wait to be back with you next episode. Same time, same place. Bye, friends.